Hello, I'm Maha Khan Phillips, editor of Professional Investor at CFA UK. Welcome to the latest episode of the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is a show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In this episode, we're going to be looking at how the world of retirement is evolving and some of the drivers for that evolution. Research from Evelyn Partners, in partnership with the Center for Future Studies, has shown how the personal finances of retirees will be transformed by 2040, driven by societal trends such as the advance of technology, the falling popularity of marriage, and longer life expectancies. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Henrietta Grimston, who is going to help us unpack some of these trends. Henrietta is an Associate Director of Financial Planning at Evelyn Partners. She has been advising private clients for over 16 years and has a particular interest in helping more vulnerable clients and those later in life. Henrietta is both a Chartered Financial Planner and a Chartered Wealth Manager and is a Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Securities and Investments. Welcome, Henrietta. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Let's start with the obvious question. We're all living for longer. What does that mean from a retirement point of view? It's a great question to start with. And the reality is because we are all living for longer, it means we need to think about funding a longer life. And I suppose there's there's two sides to that. One is thinking about your career and how long you might be working for. And that might be because you are forced to work longer or because you choose to work longer. So there's two different ways of slicing that. But importantly, when we do make that decision to be stepping away from the world of work, we are going to have to think much harder about preparing for that longer retirement. It's really interesting because um, when you look at some of the stats and research that you guys have done, the cost of living has had an impact too, right? Particularly for baby boomers. I think your research showed that baby boomers are delaying their retirement by an average of four years to increase their pension savings. So some of us are really stuck with not so great choices. Yeah, and, and part of that will perhaps be influenced by people that maybe haven't planned as well as they could have done for retirement. But it's also quite interesting when you look at the sort of changing dynamics of the family structure, which was actually another kind of area of focus for this report. So we've got this so-called sandwich generation. So they are are probably the kind of baby boomers. And and often these are people who perhaps still have kids at home. And we're saying kids, but they might be adult kids. So let's not assume these are minors. Um, But at the same time, they're also perhaps now starting to care for their parents but they perhaps still have their own responsibilities. So maybe they haven't quite finished paying off the mortgage. So that generation in particular is really squeezed from both sides. And and the current cost of living crisis will not be improving the situation for them at all. So I think that is why we're seeing with that baby boomer generation, the decision to sort of push retirement by two, three, four more years. I would say for a lot of my clients who fall into that category, It is often a personal choice. You know, they really enjoy what they do. And if there's a way to maybe reposition yourself later in your career so that perhaps you're losing some of the, you know, less pleasant parts of the role. And usually it's the management responsibility that people want to get rid of straight away. But to carry on with the aspects of the job that you really love. So maybe the more creative or kind of thought provoking angles. Often that's an option later in life in that kind of, I was going to say a pre-retirement step. So you've not fully stepped away from the working world but you're starting to kind of slow down. So like a transitional phase of work. Absolutely, yeah. And and in general, the people that do that seem to really love it. That's the sort of feedback that I get, that they're they're able to focus, as I say, much more on the aspects of the job they like. Um, Mm. And, you know, the kind of the stress of of the kind of high profile role, perhaps they were doing before that, um, has melted away. And it, you know, extends their 
I guess, pension savings a little bit further, perhaps allows them to, you know, do a few more holidays, even in that early stage before they fully retire. So it gives them a lot more flexibility than just simply saying, here's a line in the sand. Yesterday I was working, now I'm retired. And look, I've got to now fund my future from what I've been able to accumulate during my working years. And that makes a lot of sense because it's quite a shock to the system to go from one to the other dramatically to cross that line with no transition. Yeah, we we sometimes joke that we have a kind of social worker aspect to our role. So, you know, a lot of what we talk about with clients is clearly the underlying financials and how do you make your money work as hard as possible? How do you get things tax efficient? But there's a huge psychological aspect to particularly stopping working. And and I think, you know, to be in that world where, you know, you've got a regular salary coming in, perhaps you've got bonuses at various points in the year, to then suddenly being faced with, here's your pot of money, you've now got to draw down on this in efficient way. And actually, there's still a lot of uncertainties about the future. You know, we started with the point around longevity, you know, how long each individual will live for. No one really has the answer to that. You know, you might have good genetics in your family and you think, okay, well, I'm perhaps more likely to live longer. Um, Other people may not be so lucky, but you've got to try and make that money work for you. And it's it is a big shift in mentality to, to move into that world of dependency on your savings. And it's really interesting that you also looked at sort of retirement outcomes or themes generationally. And I was interested to see that Gen Z and millennials aim to retire at 60, at, even while everyone is growing, uh, is, is living for longer. Does this seem, I mean, it seems quite ambitious to me to, to retire at 60, but how ambitious is it really? I think it depends on what your aspirations are in retirement. So, you know, clearly, if we went around a room of people and said, what age would you like to retire and how would you like to spend your retirement? We're going to get a big variety of answers. So if your wish list is pretty long and you're earning an average salary, you might have to start to be a little bit more realistic. Now, clearly, if you're one of those lucky people that's in, you know, the top sort of one, two percent of earners in the UK and money's not an issue, you probably can stop working, you know, at a relatively young age. But that's not really where the vast majority of us are going to find ourselves. So if you are a, you know, a 35 year old sitting there today thinking, you know, I I want to perhaps stop working at 60 or maybe even slightly before 60, there is a bit of homework that needs to be done to say, okay, what amount of money do you need to have in savings? And we talk about pension savings, but of course, it doesn't just include pensions if you're planning for retirement. But also what's on your wish list for your working life? And and the report kind of touches on this in terms of thinking about what are people's priorities for the future. So marriage, it seems, is kind of falling down the ladder in terms of a key milestone that that people really want to achieve. But, you know, chances are you've probably still got children reasonably high on that list for a lot of people. Children, as we know, are quite expensive. I mean, that in the nicest possible way. Um, And that's before you've even considered kind of private education costs and university costs. Um, and getting on the housing ladder, that's still a big challenge, particularly in the, the southern parts of England. I'm not saying it's exclusively a problem down here. There are, of course, cities elsewhere in the UK where it's it's a big issue, but particularly in kind of London and the southeast. And then if you're also saying, and I want to stop working early, it's going to be about, well, how realistic are all of those options? Which ones are the real priority? And if you are desperate to stop working as early as possible, what are you perhaps willing to give up in the short term to help fund that retirement over the long term? So there's some pretty shocking stats that we pick up on the report. You know, one in three 30 to 40 year olds, for example, hasn't started saving into a pension. And you know, these are potentially people that are only going to work for another 20, 25 more years. Um, and we know from looking at the impacts of compounding, as example, you know, the earlier you can start to save, the better, rather than leaving it sort of later in that journey of, accumulating savings. So absolutely, for those that are thinking about 
yeah, that's a priority for me. I want to stop working at a relatively young age. You need to be doing your planning early. And it's interesting because you just touched on the falling marriage rate. And I think um, what you what you guys said was one in three adults see marriage um, uh, as less important now. Is that right? So uh, there's all these financial protections in terms of retirement and marriage. Does that have to change? Does the system have to change? Yeah, well, I think there is a there is a shift that needs to happen in the legal system. So, you know, a lot of the way that I guess current legislation works is it favours a married couple or those in a civil partnership. So if we're going to see that being the exception rather than the norm, you would hope in time that the legal system keeps pace. But where we sit today is that isn't the situation. So for those who perhaps, you know, find themselves in a situation where they haven't got married or they don't have a desire to get married, then it's even more important that they have a think about, you know, how do we structure our wills? You know, have we thought about powers of attorney? Actually, every adult should have a power of attorney. Um, As soon as you're over the age of 18, no one legally has the responsibility to manage your affairs. So it's one of those points that we always like to make. Um, I have no idea about that point. Now I'm going to go and find my power of attorney. Absolutely. So, uh, so, um, yeah, but also thinking about pensions. Uh, Now, this is probably... I'm going to say this is perhaps less of a concern for the younger listeners on the podcast, but for those who still have the benefit of a final salary pension, which, yeah, for those of us in working ages is becoming less likely, often inbuilt into those schemes is that your spouse would get a benefit if you were to die before them. So if you're not married or you're not in a civil partnership, that pension scheme may not offer that benefit to just a partner that you are living with. So I think Whilst it is clearly a personal choice whether you get married or not, or whether you enter into a civil partnership, having an understanding of what you might be giving up on or the complexities of what that might mean is really important. So it's it's not to say you have to get married, but just understand what it means if you choose not to. Well, I, I would hope the system would change to reflect societal changes and demographic changes eventually, but not quite yet. Yeah, as I say, it's it's not a guarantee. We don't have control over that. So all we can do is is work with the rules that that are there today and make sure that if you are, yeah, you're thinking that that's not going to be for you, you know, structure things correctly, particularly, you know, thinking about wills. Wills is a really good one. Um, You know, understand what, you know, the impact of not being married has. How does that potentially change your inheritance tax position? So between wives and civil partners, husbands, wives and civil partners, you can inherit assets from the deceased spouse with no inheritance tax. If we're talking about two partners, no legal sort of binding between the two of you, that that, um, exemption just doesn't exist today. Maybe it will do in the future, but right now it doesn't. So there's lots of things that you need to think about if that is likely to be the position you find yourself in. How is the advance of technology changing retirement outcomes, particularly around sort of like the, the sense of automation and technological innovation? Yeah, so this is probably one of these, there's a positive and a negative argument to the advance of technology. So if I look at people in retirement, um, actually, I think there are some positive aspects coming through from technology. So, you know, the fact that you can see your investments, you can see your pensions, so there's much more kind of visibility from a technology point of view. There's also an increasing number of tools out there to help you sort of manage your situation. So One of the things that we do for a lot of our clients is something called financial modelling. And we use quite a sophisticated piece of technology to kind of put in a load of inputs about their circumstances today and to um, kind of project forward what we think their future might look like. Really trying to identify, you know, are you likely to have any big shortfalls and might you need to make some adjustments today? 
Now, the kind of sophisticated technology, I guess, is, is perhaps reserved for, for the financial planning world. But there are some simplistic tools out there that people can get easy access to. So particularly those younger ones, if you're thinking, well, I might like to have a just quick go and see, you know, how how might my future look if I map things out, particularly if I want to stop working at 60? Um, you know, am I on track to be able to do that? And that's a real positive. From a working environment point of view, the bit that the report really focuses on is how AI is going to potentially change the workplace. And there's quite a scary statistic suggesting that one in three jobs over the next sort of decade or so could be heavily impacted by AI to the point that those jobs maybe become redundant from a human point of view, that technology takes over an aspect of delivering them. So if you're thinking about I guess there isn't really the concept of a job for life anymore. Maybe there's a few exceptions, perhaps if you're a doctor, um, I suppose lawyers as well. But for most of us, we're unlikely to stay in the same job for life. But we might think, actually, we've got a fairly secure career for life, perhaps just changing employers. But what the report picks up on is actually that may not be the case for a large number of people. It's perhaps more of a concern for those in maybe the kind of manual labour sector. And we've already seen how technology has had a huge impact there. But I think it will creep into the professional world increasingly. So you could find yourself in a situation where your role has now been replaced quite heavily by technology. And if you're into your 40s and 50s and faced with a situation where actually you're being told, you know what, you've got to go back to school, you've got to retrain, you've got to think about, you know, a completely different skill set from what you have today. That could be quite daunting at a point where you probably do have a lot of responsibilities, whether it's kids, mortgages. Um, you know, sort of other other kind of debts that you might have accrued along the way, as well as thinking about saving for your future. So from a planning point of view, I think there's a couple of things people can do to try and not necessarily completely stop that happening in the future, but try and mitigate the impact of it. So having a rainy day fund or, you know, an emergency fund, whatever you want to call it, that pot of money that you can call on if there was a period of time where you were out of work. I mean, everyone should have that anyway, regardless, again, of sort of what's going on in, in the world of work or the world of technology. But it does mean if you had, say, a period of a year or two where you'd have to step away to retrain, hopefully you've got some savings to fall back on in the interim. I would also say that, you know, again, the sort of emergence of technology, there will be things that technology can't do that we can do as humans. So the softer skills, you know, communication skills, empathy, thinking about sort of ethical decisions. There's only so much I think computers and technology can really do in, in that space. And I think there will always be a need for a human sort of angle or, or interaction to that. So they are the types of skills that we would really encourage people to think about working on. So if your employer offers you the opportunity to go on training days, I know it's not always the most exciting thing that people get presented with but actually you know doing some kind of simple skills training could be really valuable in the future if you're faced with a situation of your job no longer being uh, available to you and technology sort of taking over well as you said it's a very real concern and a very real challenge for a lot of people right now um more broadly what is retirement going to look like in the future so with technological advancement and everything else um what are we going to see? How's the landscape? It's shifting now, but how is it going to continue to shift? And is there working life after retirement? I mean, we have all these sort of gig economies now. I mean, does retirement really have to mean retirement? Yeah, I don't think it does mean that sort of that shelf, as, as we kind of said earlier. It's I, I don't believe for many people anymore, it's that, you know, you get to your date, you get given your nice pen or your nice watch, and that's it. You're now you know, you're on the sofa or you're on the beach for the rest of your life. The reality is I think that's changing for most people. And, and as I said, we have already seen that with a very large number of our clients here. 
either because they have that sort of step down of they they're kind of picking and choosing the bits of their career that they want to still focus on or they go and do something completely different so I had a client who retired he then you know got a van and started doing you know local deliveries for businesses that he you know he had sort of connections to he could pick and choose his hours um you know it funded their sort of extra holiday year that they wanted to do in retirement it was a no stress job, you know, and it's brilliant. He has now actually stopped that as of this year, but it gave him that sort of period of a few years of saying, well, yeah, I, I still want a little bit of income coming in. I'm not quite ready to completely switch off. Um, but, you know, I don't want to carry on doing the job that I was doing before. So increasingly, that seems to be a trend. For some, it's an opportunity to kind of pursue those passions that you never thought you could do during your working life. So again, I've, I've got another lady who um, had a sort of highly professional career. Um, she had a hobby, which just before COVID, she said, you know, I want to move this hobby into a business. So she's now created a business in her local village that focuses just on her hobby. It was one of those things that really picked up during COVID when everyone was trying to learn new skills from home and her business has just rocketed. And she thought it would be a small project a couple of days a week. It's now keeping her very busy on a full-time basis, but she loves it. So again, you know, she's left her traditional job but this is now a great transition in, into the next phase. And if you think that you are on the main likely to live longer, particularly as we think about, you know, children being born now, there's a really good chance they're going to see 100, um, which means, you know, they are thinking, well, 60, 65 is my kind of retirement point. You know, you could be funding up to 40 years of your life from your retirement savings. So actually having that ability to maybe do something a little bit different in retirement, which still generates some money, um, could be a really useful option. That's really interesting. Something you can start thinking about perhaps a bit earlier than. Thank you so much, Henrietta. That was really, really interesting. And as someone who's probably going to retire in the next 20 years or 25, if I'm unlucky, um, there's a lot of insight there for me. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Bye.